Hello and welcome to episode number 447 of Smart Podcast Trashy Books. I'm Sarah Wendell. With me today is Amanda and Sarah J. Mass. Yes, Sarah J. Mass is back nearly one year to the date from her last interview with us to talk about her new book, A Court of Silver Flames. We are going to talk about sexy times, the magic romance house, rage, mental health, and rereading books through the pandemic. There are so many little tiny love letters to romance inside A Court of Silver Flames, so of course we talk about the most lovely parts of being a romance reader, too. I want to send some special thanks to Elizabeth, Manda, Jennifer, Rachel, and Becca for their questions, and to our Patreon community. Your support helps make transcription of extra-long episodes like this one possible, so thank you. Many of the Patreon community members told me that last year's episode with Sarah J. Mass was one that they've re-listened to because it was inspiring and comforting and firm in its support of mental health care, therapy, and medication. This one is no different, and we hope that it becomes one of your new favorites. I do have a major trigger and content warning at about minute 47.30, and do not worry, I've moved the mid-roll so that I will stop the podcast and I will tell you about what's going to happen. We talk about assault, attempted assault, and the resulting rage. Now, this section is rather long. It's about 47 minutes to 1 minute 4, but I will warn you before it happens, and you can skip ahead about 15 minutes. I want to thank Sarah J. Mass for hanging out with us and for being part of a conversation that is intimate and vulnerable and so very, very welcome. This podcast episode is brought to you by Native. Native Aluminum Free Deodorant is a great addition to your 2021 routine because they care what you put on your armpits. That's why their deodorant's ingredient list includes things you've actually heard of, like coconut oil and shea butter, and another plus, none of their products are tested on animals, and almost everything is vegan. Native is risk-free to try. Every product comes with free shipping within the U.S., plus free 30-day returns and exchanges, and they have options. Native has a line of sensitive deodorant for people with baking soda sensitivities, plastic-free deodorants if you're trying to cut down on your plastic consumption, and even an unscented option. They also have limited edition scents available now in partnership with Jungalow, palm leaf and bergamot, tangerine and citrus blossom, and paradise flower and amber. Make the switch to Native today by going to nativedeo.com slash trashybooks or use promo code trashybooks at checkout and get 20% off your first order. That's nativedeo.com slash trashybooks or use promo code trashybooks at checkout for 20% off your first order. This episode is also brought to you by Prose. Amanda and I both have been using the curly girl method for a while, and when I mentioned that I did not know what to do with my hair because it is growing and wavy, which it has never been, Prose was the perfect, perfect solution. It is encouraging my wavy hair to do magical things that I've never seen it do before. Prose creates custom shampoo and conditioners based on your personal hair analysis and their algorithm. Their online quiz dives into every possible factor that might affect your hair, including your environment, like hello humidity. The quiz also takes into account what I want my hair to be. Shiny, curly, wavy, all of the above. There's no one-size-fits-all with Prose because they want to customize shampoo and conditioner for each person. And their algorithm personalizes over 50 billion combinations, and they've come up with a unique blend of ingredients and products that address my exact concerns. My concerns? Basically, what do I do with wavy hair, and how do I make it do more of it? 
Not only do I get to choose the scent, which I love, but the shampoo and conditioner work brilliantly. My hair is more wavy the more I condition it, and the hair mask that goes on beforehand leaves it softer than it's ever been. I thought I had straight hair. I was wrong. I have visible ringlets. I didn't know my hair did any of this. If you are on a what is my hair doing journey with me and you want to try pros, I've got a coupon for you. If you're not 100% positive that pros is the best hair care you've ever had, they'll take the products back, no questions asked. Pros is the healthy hair regimen with your name all over it. Take your free in-depth hair quiz and get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com slash trashy books. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash trashy books for your free in-depth hair quiz and 15% off. I could not be more excited to bring you this episode. I love when Sarah comes to hang out with Amanda and me. And now on with the podcast episode with 33% more Sarah's with Sarah J. Mass. <laughs> so this is a 33% more Sarah's podcast. I'm so excited that you're here. Thank you so much for joining us. I am so excited to be back. I love you guys. This is like the <laughs> highlight of my tour. Uh, I am ready to, to get into it with you guys. Okay. So I just want to tell you that I shared with my Patreon community that I was doing this interview because as I put it, my inner 13-year-old was not cool. She's still not cool. Like, I'm, someday, someday we're going to have to A, be in the same place and breathe, but also do a, a live interview, like yes. in person. It would be so much fun. Amanda, I you might have to that. change your name to Sarah. Sarah? Sure. I'll be Sarah. You could be, you could be Sarah, Sarah without an H. So oh. you're like the, the individual, like, you know, like. Sarah with the, with just an A on the end. Yeah. yeah. Sarah. Sarah. <laughs> Sarah. I want to tell you, Sarah, I did an interview with another Sarah, Sarah Gailey, who is also a lot of fun to talk to. And we decided that the plurality of a Sarah is a royalty of Sarah's. Yes, because of the princess thing. Yes. So I'm thinking. Did we talk about this last time? How I have a cousin named Sarah and like it means princess. Yes. And Amanda means beloved. Like this is, we're just reliving my childhood trauma So when I told my Patreon community I was doing this interview, I had so many people tell me that they have listened to our last episode multiple times because it is so funny and inspiring. And they were so inspired by our talking about mental health and therapy and medication and self-care that they've listened to it multiple times. Oh my God. I was, I was so flattered. I'm insanely flattered. Uh, one of the highlights of our last conversation for me, actually, I think was was you, Sarah, telling me that you've fallen asleep doing like the downward dog position and yoga. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and every time, like literally it's been what, like a year. Every time I do yoga and I'm in like, or, or was it no, child's pose? You fall asleep. Oh, yeah. Child's pose. Yeah, child's pose. Yeah, I'll child's, zoom. Child's pose. yeah. And like every time I'm in child's pose at the end, I'm like, I wonder like if I could fall asleep. Like this has haunted me. Like how Sorry. to fall asleep in this <laughs> Like, I'm never that relaxed at the end of yoga that I could fall asleep. Um, but yeah, I loved our last conversation. And I'm really honored that people like found it meaningful and fun. And that's awesome. You just made my whole day. Oh, yay. Well, congratulations on the release of this extremely small, slender novel that <laughs> yes. is extremely small. Well, like, very, very small. I had uh, another book arrive at the same time <laughs> flames and one was in like a regular bubble mailer and one was in a box and I'm like I wonder which one's which 
someday for April, for April Fools, you should announce a book and it's like one page. (laughs) Just a sheet of paper. What's funny is so with A Court of Frost and Starlight, which was like the novella before this, like it was supposed to just be a novella. But because I can't write anything that's short, uh, it wound up being like 200 pages. And so we had months, like me and my publisher had months of back and forth about what do we call this thing? I was like, because this is not a novella. Like people, you know, a novella, they'll expect a short little thing, but this is not a novel. It's just like a long happy story where nothing happens and but so then it came out and we, we, we eventually wound up calling it just a story but then it came out and people some people were like upset because I think they thought it was actually supposed to be a full-length novel and like they were expecting like 800 pages and they got like 200 instead and it was just like it was it wasn't like a mess or anything but I it was like one of those things where I was like okay clearly like we need to like come up with like a term for like the like shorter stories that I write, so people aren't I have used. I have an idea for you. Okay, a, a, a mass market, M A A S market. <laughs> That's terrible. Hey, That's terrible. I know I'm so bad. <laughs> it's not even 11 a.m., Sarah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. It's weird that this book is finally out in the world and that people are reading it. And I've had a couple of friends uh, texting me fan art that like, people have already, already made. Yeah. yeah. Already, which like, first of all, like how does anyone have the time to create these amazing things in like two <laughs> days? But uh, yeah, it's just, it's so surreal that this book is like out there and in people's hands. And I started writing it years ago. Um, like even while I was still writing a court of wings and ruin, the third book in the series. And um it was a fun, it was just a, a fun project. Like it wasn't meant to be published or anything. It was just me looking ahead. I only had the first three books in the series under contract. Like it was supposed to just be a trilogy. And then I just began writing this for fun as a like, what happens after like the big bad is like over. And like, cause there were all these side characters that I loved who had their own stories. And um, I just wrote it you know, on my, my spare time that I now like do not have as a mother. Um, (laughs) but, uh, I, and then I like drunkenly pitched it to my editor, uh, over like a meal. Um, no, like truce. I've like told this story all around the world. I think, um, but like, I literally, I was working on this project in secret. It wasn't even secret. It was just like me doing this fun story about Nesta and Cassie and, and, um, basically you were fanficking yourself. Yes, exactly. I was yeah. writing like, yeah, like, like fanfic of my own characters, uh, awesome. after the events of the first series. And I was at some conference with my editor and we, um, like went out for dinner and I guess I had enough drinks that I just began like drunkenly <laughs> rambling to her, like, Oh, like after the series ends, like, this is what happens with Ca- like Cassie and Nesta. And, and she had asked me like, because we were working on Wings and Ruin at the time and she wanted to know what happened after uh, the series ended. And so two hours later and like 10 bottles of wine, I had pitched her like this book, like all the upcoming books. And then I guess I was drunk enough that I forgot about it. Um, and two weeks later, my my then agent called me being like, uh, did you pitch something to your editor uh, <laughs> when you guys were in Chicago? You're like, I wouldn't uh, uh, call it a pitch, but yeah, I was, exactly. I was like, well, there oh, might yeah. have been a pitcher of yeah. margaritas yeah. involved. Stop it. 
exactly. Uh, and so my editor had like offered to buy the, these like spinoff books and uh, jump ahead many years. And here we are. And uh, the stuff that I wrote years and years ago, I wound up basically going back to page one and not rewriting, but just like heavily gutting uh, those first few hundred pages. And then uh, now it's this giant doorstopper of a book. No, my my roommate took Tuesday off of work to read it. Oh my uh, God. And she had like a special edition coming from Books a Million because there was like mm-hmm. extra content. But she's like, I know it's not going to be here on Tuesday. So then she bought the ebook version so she could <laughs> start reading on Tuesday. And we have like a, a reading room sort of thing. So she sat in the chair in the reading room <laughs> all day on Tuesday. <laughs> and periodically I would check in, be like, how's it going? And at the end of the night, I was like, so did you finish it? And she's like, Amanda, this book is like 800 pages. <laughs> I was like, oh, sorry. Um, she's like, I'm only 42% through it. I was like, all right. But she finished it, I think like the next day or the day after. But yeah, she took a day off of work. She's like, I have comp time anyway. I need to use. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm deeply flattered and, and honored. Uh, I care about nothing in my life enough to like take a day off. Like my son, like I take a day off of work for him. But um, and maybe I don't know. I'm trying to think if there's anything like fan wise I would do. You, like, do you guys have like things that you would take like a full day off of to like read or like go see or like. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like younger, when I was younger, we would do like the midnight releases of things like books, yeah, same. video games or whatever. But now I'm old and I don't <laughs> do that. <laughs> like, God, yeah. no. And then like, right, you just to have think. to think like, all right, well, if I take a whole day off, can I imagine what my inbox is going to look like <laughs> the next day? Like, <laughs> so yes. I don't know. That gives me anxiety. Me too. I was going to say, the three of us all have anxiety, right? This is yeah. probably not a thing we can do. No, 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 <laughs> no, no. And I, I mean, I was the same way. Like I went to like the Lord of the Rings midnight release screenings, like dressed up and, uh, and that, but that was like, again, when I was young and there was no such thing as like smartphones and yeah. you know, like I, I wasn't like, if I took a day off, like there would be no actual day off. Cause I would still be checking emails and you know if some work came in I'd be like crap like my whole day would be ruined um like taking a day off would require me like shutting off all electronics and things and I cannot physically (laughs) do that I I don't think I am like just the thought of it like has my like whole body tensing up right now which tells me something about my addiction to technology uh and I thought I was pretty good I thought I thought I like I don't have any like um like social media apps or like games on my phone. I literally have like 12 things on my phone. Um, it's like the New York Times, the New York Times crossword, the New York Times cooking <laughs> app. Like it's like the phone of a 90 year old retired woman. Um, <laughs> like there's like, I even got rid of solitaire because I found that to be like distracting <laughs> me. Um, but yeah, I cannot, I, I, even with my like very limited amount of apps that I have, like the thought of just like, closing my phone for the day I can't do it and that makes me sad it makes me sad yeah well maybe you could start with like five minute increments no (laughs) no no. (laughs) No, no. so I don't 
I don't want to, I don't want to do too much spoiling, spoilering, okay. because it's possible that someone has not finished this extremely slender book yeah. by the time this episode comes out. <laughs> Maybe that people are still, are, are still reading it, which is totally fine. Yep. Everyone reads at their own pace. And yep. I know, I know readers have been waiting for this story. And Amanda's going to tease me because she's, she's, I was telling her about some of the things I wanted to ask you about. She's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I know people have been waiting for this Nesta, but let me ask you about this obscure corner piece over here, which is how my brain works. (laughs) So I will start with the, the, the Nesta fandom. Because we talked about this when we, we talked last year, we talked about how you were writing this and it was like, I have written some of the dirtiest things I have yeah. written. <laughs> when I checked in on my roommate, I was like, so what's happening? How's it going? And all she did was like list off the various like sex scenes she's read. <laughs> she's like, there was a blowjob. There was a, <laughs> there's fingering, lots of masturbation. She <laughs> like, I was like, so how's it going? It's like, so she just like, rattled off. I was like, Okay, good. It's good. Just no <laughs> penetration stuff yet. <laughs> See the in the the masturbation inventory here. Um, I want to say thank you for a particular line, by the way, and it's very earlier in the books. This is not a spoiler. Um, even immortality wasn't enough time for some males to master the art of the bedroom. <laughs> Burn. I just imagine, like, I don't know these, like. Fay like frat bro types like they're jack like, yes. boys. That's what they are. They're like fay fuck boys. <laughs> I don't. I feel like just I don't know. Like guys are guys. Like some of them just can't. Don't don't get it. Um, and I mean immortality is not going to fix that. No, no, it's not. Um, uh, I mean the sex in this book. I don't know how I'm gonna look any of my family in the eye after because they all they all insist on reading my books and every time I tell them don't so, read one you guys don't like fantasy two you don't like romance like three there is so much graphic sex in this book that I cannot I literally had to block out the thought of like my family while I wrote this book like I became an orphan like I had to become an orphan like living under the stairs like Harry Potter writing my smutty books because like I could not handle the fact that I was writing about like bodily fluids like leaking down like out of Nesta's thighs with like my father or my grandma reading this book like Jesus Christ um I haven't spoken to my parents since this book came out and I don't think I'll ever speak to them again, again. Um, yeah <laughs> change, change your name change your phone number yeah. just <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> moving out of the country. Um, yeah. Like witness protection. <laughs> so is it is it is it exciting for you to think about your readers reading this book and finally having it out in the world? Because this is your second pandemic release, right? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it was, I mean, I think going into this, you know, we, advertised it as my first like adult you know like, like adult installment in this series yeah you know, and, and the Akatar series before this uh, I mean like that series was adult like I, it's a long story about how it wound up in in YA like you know I sold it to my publisher as like new adult at the time but new yep. adult never became like a thing um and so they wanted it to be shelved in YA because my throne of glass series was there and I my only condition was that okay like well I don't want to censor my content for these books. So we didn't. Um, and so these books were kind of like 
secret. It was like a weird place. Like there was like, it was a weird place for these books. But now we're officially in the adult realm with the series. They repackaged all the books. Um, and I feel like there was a lot of expectation that like, okay, like, you know, they're adult now. Let's see what you got, Sarah. <laughs> like, 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 you know, like Akamath had like a three-day sex marathon. Um, so like I had to top that. Um, and I mean, it's not like I had a checklist of like, okay, we need to have like a blowjob and masturbation and like, (laughs) but like, I basically was like, okay, you guys think there's going to be sex in this book? I'll show you sex in this book. Um, Game on. It was just, it was, it was a lot of fun to write though. Cause like Nesta is just like, so like unapologetic about her sexuality. And it just was really like freeing to write about someone who like, not only knows what she wants, but like really enjoys it. Um, and I don't know, just like hot and, but also like funny, like, you know, the, the blowjob scene, like af- it's like, this is like sort of a spoiler, but like afterward, like it wasn't done in a public place where people have to eat. And like, you know, there's just like a lot of room for humor and some of this, like <laughs> the sex stuff of like, you know, what happens when you get caught, like blowing a guy in a it dining re- room. It um, reminds <laughs> me of that, like, that meme that was going around. It's like, not in front of my salad. Do you remember? No. <laughs> so, it was actually a scene from a, a porn film. And uh, this woman's eating a salad. And two guys start having sex in the kitchen. And she's like, oh, no, not in front of my salad. And she, like, takes her salad and leaves. <laughs> I feel like it was a not in front of my salad. (laughs) Perfect, perfect comparison. (laughs) So what? All right. Okay, Sarah. Okay. Okay. Sarah. Sarah. You wrote a magic house with food and romance novels. So there's a magic house, (laughs) instantaneous food delivery, and instantaneous romance novel delivery. And the magic house reads the romance and, and, and the house. The house does its own dishes. That right there is porn. (laughs) That's pornography. I know it when I see it. (laughs) I feel like it's like mom porn or like 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 the things that I don't want to have to deal with like dishes cleaning um I mean I I definitely uh put some of my like quarantine pandemic living fantasies like into the house um I don't know like I just I, I worked on the bulk of this book like while living in this house and not yep. not leaving it like nope. ever like I don't think I we literally didn't even go on a walk through our neighborhood until I want to say August, like from like Ooh. March until August, like we did not like go leave. anywhere. Um, and so I think I definitely like channeled my like wishes. It was like wish fulfillment, like a house yeah, that right? can like, make you like magical little Pegasuses and like bring you chocolate cake and will draw you a bath and like like even drawing myself a bath these days with like a, a two and a half year old running around is like a rare luxury so I think it was definitely wish fulfillment on my part but 
I don't know. I also live in this old ass house. It's like 110 years old plus. And mm-hmm. um, it was built like right before um, the Spanish influenza pandemic. And so I've like this whole time been wondering like, oh, like I wonder if the people who first built this house, like did they like ride out the pandemic here? Like this house, yeah. it almost felt like a ship like a spaceship in a way where like this house lived through one pandemic and now like it's going through another and like we're sailing into the unknown in it um and you know my windows to the outside here just watching people go by like it was a weird feeling of like being in this house that had so much character and I think that kind of bled into this book but I also just loved the idea like it just felt so cozy to me and especially it mirrored Nesta's journey in so many ways, I mean, it, I don't want to spoil things, but um, like one of the things that Nesta is looking for and that she's never really had is a sense of home and like feeling like home is a like a safe place for her. And yes. I like the house kind of becomes that. Um, and it's like a very cozy, like nice feeling. But I also I cried to- at times. There were points <laughs> where I cried. I oh. wanted to write like a short little AU fic of like, Ness or like Nesta being on like house hunters, like, <laughs> like getting this house. <laughs> that would be amazing. That's like that's what I like. I'm inspired to do. Like, yeah, sure, you can write like other like kissing stuff or whatever. It's like, but no, I just wanted like an episode of House Hunters with. Yeah, I I can house. just hear it now. Like. Nesta and Cassian are a young couple from the city of Valaris <laughs> looking for more space and city views. <laughs> they also want a short commute to their work as a night court, but also plenty of space for their friends to come stay over. And a big library, multiple libraries. Multiple like, I libraries. See, like, yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of like house hunters. Uh, so but you I, have to like throw in something while I was like, but their budget is $2,000. <laughs> <laughs> They want sweeping views and space and two libraries, but they only have $3,000 to put down on a down payment. Their last house featured a magical sentience that delivered food and books automatically. Will they be able to find such an incredible option in a future house? Tune in to find out. All right, I think a thousand fix were just born. Yeah. I'm so excited about this. If yeah, if you write it, please send it. Would love Yeah, to. send it to us. Send yeah, it to please, us. We need to know. Please, yeah. please. <laughs> so um when can we move in to the to the magic romance food house? Although I will tell you I live with two teenagers and my house is also a house of wind. <laughs> but it is the wrong kind of wind and no one does my dishes but me. When can we move into the Magic Romance Food House, please? Um, anytime you like. And I need to tell you a story about the House of Wind, like that <laughs> that, that, that name. Um, so when A Court of Mist and Fury uh, was like in the works and we were going through titles, my like working title was A Court of Wind and Fury. And I was like super into it. And my... Like my US team was into it and they sent it off to the UK because we work, you know, with the UK team on everything. And the UK came back and was like, absolutely not. You cannot call this book a court of wind and fury. And I was like, why? Like wind is badass. And they were like, here it means fart. 
Like hit me start. <laughs> so you would have House of Farts and Fury. That would be the, the title of your book. And so even though the House of Wind, like as a thing stayed in this book, like I still like I still hear like the UK team being like, well, here w- wind means something other than what you Americans think. <laughs> it means fart. <laughs> it means farts. <laughs> I'm crying. <laughs> something that once you hear it you're like great now that's all I'm gonna think about when I hear the word wind now thank you my life is ruined (laughs) literally like crushed a lot of dreams that I had to hear that thanks UK (laughs) so super obvious question then obviously the pandemic inspired the the house of magic wind and your being a romance reader was a major element to this house. What are some of the ways in which being a romance reader has influenced this book and also the house that we all want to live in, please, please soon, like very soon. I'll keep my distance from you. I promise like 10 to 15 feet, but please, (laughs) please, please, please. Well, I think like, I mean, not just the romance books, but the sharing of romance books in this book is like a big thing. Um, It's one of the ways that Nesta and the friends that she makes in the course of the book, like bond through sharing of romance. And that's definitely something that came from my daily life. Like I didn't like make friendships based off of romance books, but like, I can't tell you like how many text threads I have with friends who are like, you have to read this book. And like, you know, like it's just like an ongoing thing of like these romance stories and like there being almost like a, I don't know, just like a language that like runs through it of like, you know, joy about like the romance, like just unapologetic joy about the romance, the happily ever afters, the hot guys, the hot sex. Um, and it's just such a daily part of my life and like uh, my relationships, some of my closest friends that I, it felt natural for Nesta to have that in her life too, especially cause she's such a big reader and she's found it so hard to connect with people in the past, but then finding other readers, um, you know, Emery's a huge romance fan. And like, that's kind of like the way they initially bond and then they loop Gwen into it. And like, it just becomes like a, like a backbone of their friendship, um, but also an excuse to, to talk to each other. Um, and I mean, I just love that romance in general is just such, I mean, it's a female dominated industry it's you know stories like mostly about women written by women um and every time I read a book like like a romance novel it just leaves like the happily ever after like never gets old for me um and I realized that like I don't give a fuck if like people beyond the community think romance like you know isn't real literature or like that. Like it is, first of all, but just because some, yeah, exactly. Like just because something is like, <laughs> no, you know, you know people just won't because be able to see it, but Sarah was making a jacking off motion. So. <laughs> um, but just, just because, you know, there's a happy ending and there's sex doesn't mean that a story is not worth telling. Um, and that just, you know, not to go on a total rant, but it just, Feel free. Yeah. You know, <laughs> It infuriates me that, you know, somehow, you know, stories with women having sex and enjoying having sex and then being happy at the end, you know, somehow that's not like 
somehow in order for a story to be like worthy, according to some like, you know, gatekeepers and tastemakers, it has to be sad and miserable at the end. And like, you know, the couple can't be together. And you know, I do appreciate those stories every now and then. But I personally don't like rereading stories where everyone's dead Ooh. at the ending or like, you know, the couple I've been rooting for for 10 books isn't together. Like, I just, yeah. that's not my cup of tea. And I just, I keep returning to these romance books like again and again. Like I think I've read The Hating Game like, you know, 10 times now just because I, there's something about the reassurance of like, it's all going to be okay at yep. the end. And the characters, like it doesn't come easy for them and it doesn't come easy for yep. Nesta either. And I wanted that, you know, I, I wanted Nesta to struggle and fight for her happy ending. And it's not even a happy ending. It's like a happy beginning to her life um mm -hmm. and I just those are the stories that I keep reading again and again and they bring me joy and comfort and they've gotten me through some of like the hardest times of my life um and I think with Nesta it's it's the same um you know she's a big romance reader before this book even starts and um even when she's so closed off from the world and is so despairing the fact that she reads these romances has always been this quiet indication that she does want that happy life for herself. And she, there is some small part of her that believes that mm -hmm. she could have that too, or at least hopes that she could have that too. And she finds immense comfort um, in those books and friendship in those books. Like literally she finds like, you know, companionship with the book itself, but then friendship because she's reading these types of books um, and her friends are reading those books kind of for the same reason. They enjoy them. The happy endings make them happy, but they also have their own dark journeys that they're going on and the romance kind of helps them through it as well. Yep. I think uh, readers, especially, I don't know, that's it, something like very close to like the reading community is like, we all have at least one person that we like text or message or shout mm -hmm. at when we're like reading something good and be like, oh, you have to read this because I need someone to talk to about it. Mm -hmm. like online communities that we talk about books with. Um, so I feel like that is a pretty like universal experience, especially for people who love reading and love books. Like we, we all have like those group chats and like those Twitter DMs mm -hmm. and all of those things where you're just like loving a book and we want to shout at it and tell someone else to read it mm -hmm. um, so I think like that was kind of my one of my favorite parts is oh, seeing everyone else being excited about books and kind of like understanding that same feeling even though like it's been so hard to read lately <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I've like I've barely done any reading during this pandemic. Weirdly enough, I've watched a lot of TV and movies, um, yep. but I've read very few books. And then the ones that I have read, like I, I've like reread Pride and Prejudice like three times. Like I'm oh, yeah. like, I can't get out of it right now. Like I'm <laughs> stuck in like a Pride. Yep. Like all I can think yep. about is Darcy and Elizabeth and like their wedding night. Like imagining what the wedding day would have been. <laughs> I'll be like, oh, that must have been like, I was like, oh, like how would Darcy have like, you know, seduced Elizabeth and would Elizabeth have kind of known what to expect or would it all have been shocking to her? But then always, this always happens in the middle of thinking about this. I think about poor Charlotte and Mr. Collins and like, <laughs> what, what the wedding night 
with them would have been like, and I actually like literally Googled this at one point. Like, did Charlotte like consummate the marriage with Mr. Collins? Because she's pregnant at the end. And I was like, like, that can't be that guy's baby. Like, she she actually had sex with that guy. And I read this whole like scholarly analysis of like how like Charlotte's view of sex versus like Elizabeth's view of sex and like you know, with Charlotte, you know, she would have just been doing like a thing and like there would have been no grossness attached to it for her. It was like this whole like analysis. And I was like, yes, I, I can understand your intellectual thing, but like, bleh, like gross, like Mr. Collins, like <laughs> I just, I feel so bad for Charlotte. And I know that like, she probably was happy and relieved that she had a good home and all of that. But like, can you imagine that guy? Like, Duh. Like on, like inside of you. Like, oh. <laughs> oh, God. I don't even know what kind of a content or trigger warning to put for that. <laughs> like, what is that like full body revulsion, complete abdominal cringe? Blah. Oh, no, thank you. This always intrudes every time I think about Darcy and Elizabeth. I just like this little black cloud comes in. It's like, it's like, just what, floats what by. Like, what about Charlotte? Charlotte? What about Charlotte? Oh, no. um, so that's that's been like my thing, like for the past few months. It's just endless Pride and Prejudice, reading and listening to the the audiobook version, and then watching the BBC version, like yep. over and over again. And it's weird. Like, I don't which know audiobook why. are you listening to? Because Rosamund Pike narrated. That's, it. Oh, yeah, that's so the one. Good. It's so good. Like, I I, oh I just gosh. keep like toggling between like the like reading it and then just listening to it and like I I mean she's brilliant with the like I I thought that was like one of the best like versions of it like she just like brought it to life like I I suffer from migraines and I've had a lot of them during this pandemic probably triggered Can't by imagine stress. why yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know why uh <laughs> <laughs> but um so I've spent a lot of time lying in the darkness in my my bedroom um yep. unable to like look at my phone or like even have the tv on um so like the one thing that like has has gotten me through some of that is just listening to that audiobook um I yep. listened to that one and then audible did a um like dramatic reading of Emma that was really good too um, yep. so like, I just like literally laid in the darkness for hours and hours, uh, you know, these recent months, just listening to to the story. And it's funny how it like comes alive in your head, just like with all that, like sensory deprivation that is required to get through a migraine. Like it was like seeing a movie in my head in a way that like, wasn't like physically painful for me yep. to, to watch. Um, but yeah, I love that long story short. I absolutely love Rosamund Pike's like her whole that whole like audiobook is oh, just God. like brilliant and it makes sense that you are into both the hating game and, and pride and prejudice because forgive me for telling you what you do but you do traffic <laughs> in pining <laughs> you traffic heavily in pining piney <laughs> fresh heroes are among your specialties lots of pine so it makes sense yes yes though no, i think <laughs> i think i think with this book I wound up saying this at like one of my tour events lately. And then I like stressed about it for days afterwards. Cause it just felt very like, I don't know, like the audacity of even saying this, but like, <laughs> like Nesta and Cassian kind of remind me of like a reverse pride and prejudice in a way where like Nesta's like the broody, like asshole Darcy 
type and like Cassian's like Elizabeth's like I love to laugh and like you know, I don't take anyone very seriously um I fly around and I make jokes yeah exactly <laughs> but then I start thinking like oh god like who's the Charlotte of like the night court like who has to marry Mr. Collins it all comes like, back to Charlotte it, it all comes back to her and that Mr. Collins and I just like <laughs> he's like <laughs> Sorry, I just I cannot get over like the image of like Mr. Collins in like the night court and like having like going around to Reese and them and like who he would like who would marry Mr. Collins? No one would marry him. Um, Talk to someone about your Mr. Collins obsession. Uh well, I do have a therapy session at 2 30 today, so (laughs) I will bring it up with my therapist. Uh clearly there is some like weird shit happening there that like causes me to like obsess about things that absolutely like disgust and horrify me like mr collins keeps invading my thoughts (laughs) (laughs) what does this mean no one no one deserves the oily the oily looming presence of mr collins we should all be free of the oily oily obsequious toadying grossness mr collins you deserve to be free of that nemesis. Yeah, thank, thank, you. <laughs> thank, thank you for that. So yeah, let's definitely exercise that. Yeah. Yeah. Exercise, yeah. Mr. Collins. I did want to ask you about um, the portrayal of anxiety in this book, if you don't yeah. mind talking about yeah. it. Because Nesta experiences anxiety as cold water mm-hmm. in a lot of ways and cold and, and emptiness and... I hadn't I hadn't really encountered that sort of an allegory, but wow, yes, does that ever fit? It's the, the cold of the cauldron and the cold of water and just the cold of being trapped. And in the acknowledgments, you wrote that it's not exactly your experience, but that those moments needed to be written. Mm-hmm. What has been the response so far been like to those moments? And was that something that was 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 challenging for you to write? Okay, so I don't like go online and read stuff about myself. That's not like it's not my jam. So like yeah. I, so, but like from the friends who have texted, um, it seems like, you know, Nesta's mental health journey has resonated with a lot of people. And that means the world to me. Um, Cause I, so even though I began writing this years ago, I wound up deciding that I was just going to like kind of go back to page one um, and rewrite nearly everything. And a big part of that decision was that during those years that this story had kind of sat in my mind, um, I went through like my own mental health journey and struggle. And you, you know, I talked to you guys about this last time, but, um, like I, I have now, you know, it's been a year now since I talked to you guys and I've done a lot of therapy and reflecting since then. Um, and I really learned about my anxiety in a way that like when it's happening now, I'm able to like almost take like mental notes about it. So like that sense of like that cold, like the acid, like going through Nesta, like those were details I was able to add because like, that's how my anxiety manifests. Um, And it was like, it was easy and it was hard to write about it. Like it was easy because I knew exactly how Nesta felt like and even though a lot of the details between us are very very different um like I have been there and I you know 
I'm still going through that. Um, and it was hard because putting myself through that journey with Nesta, like going on that emotional, like walking that path with her, literally, like as I was going through it, um, you know, as I was facing my anxiety, my depression, like my trauma, like all of that, um, like doing that in real life, but then also every day showing up to my computer and going on that journey with Nesta, like it just, it was hard and it was draining, but it was so like healing for me in a way. And that's why, like, when I talk about this book and, you know, the ending of this book being, you know, a happy ending, like, I don't see it as an ending. It is more like Nesta getting to a place where she can start fully embracing her life and enjoying her life. Um, and, you know, becoming the person that she wants to be, but she struggled with how, like how to become that person um, and struggled with the weight of like the past. And um, I just like, this book like means so much to me in like so many ways. And there was so, like, I mean, I think I cried writing about like probably two thirds of this book um, just because I'll, it hit that, that vein of like, like pain and hope um, and there was just a lot, a lot of like real life stuff that I went through, um, that, you know, friends have talked to me about their own experiences that just, it felt like it all kind of channeled into Nesta. Um, and it's not that I sat down and I was like, I want to write a book about mental health. It just Nesta was that character who she had gone through stuff and she wasn't a perfect person. And I have zero interest in writing about sweet little perfect people who have no problems. Um, Cause I mean, I, I've literally never met someone who doesn't have like problems. And if they nope. don't, then they're probably like a serial killer or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, good for them if they don't. Um, but I just, I wanted the book to convey the sense of like, like every single person, um, is worthy of that journey of, of self-discovery and self-love and that the past doesn't have to define you, that you can look at the past and acknowledge the past and the hard parts of it, but you can also move on. This quick break serves two purposes. First, to invite you to our podcast after parties, Tuesday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern on Stereo. If you've attended one of our live shows or if you want to talk back to us while you're listening, this is perfect. Welcome. You are so invited. Tuesday nights at 7.30, Amanda and I host a very silly podcast after party on Stereo. You can download Stereo at Stereo.com slash smartbitches. You'll be able to listen to us live and record messages. And I can guarantee we talk about food and books. Sue hangs out with us and recently commented on one of our Instagram posts. You guys make me so happy. It's like talking with friends and then you screech about entirely inconsequential things as though they were incredibly important. And yes, that is exactly what we do. And we would love for you to join us. Download Stereo at Stereo.com slash smart bitches so you can connect with us when we're live Tuesdays, 730 Eastern. That's Stereo.com slash smart bitches. Tuesdays, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. The following section for the next 15 minutes contains discussion of assault, attempted assault, and a lot of rage. So if that's not something you are able to listen to, I want you to be safe. You should skip ahead to about one hour and five minutes. But don't worry, there is literally a ton of podcast after that. Thank you for taking care of yourself. 
like weirdly enough, I just watched this movie um, called A Promising Young Woman. Have you guys seen that? Yes, I have heard of it. Oh my God, that movie, like, I feel like that's like a perfect pairing for this book, weirdly. Like, I don't want to spoil things in, in the movie and like there aren't like very many similarities, but it's just about female trauma and rage and how you move on or you don't move on from it and I mean that movie like the movie fucked me up like I I I finished it like you know like the other week and I literally stayed up wide awake in bed until about 3 30 in the morning and I couldn't I couldn't stop thinking about the movie and then about like my own experiences as a woman and like you know like and just like the stuff like in college that I like went through, but then have just kind of like glossed over like in yep. recent years. And then it just, that movie just really, it really made me me think. And like the next morning I, I came downstairs and said to Josh, um, my husband, I was like, I was up all night thinking about that movie and thinking about college and like all the things that like happened that like I didn't, no, like I, I knew at the time, but I didn't know, like mm-hmm. we're so fucked up. Um, yep. And he, and he, you know, kind of had the same like haunted look where, you know, we, I mean, not to like go totally off topic here, but um, like, I loved college. Like I love my school. Um, But like, you know, it was like any college, like there was like some like fucked up stuff that ha- happened. And I, I remember my freshman year, I was at this party with all my my friends um and we had this like unspoken buddy system back then mm-hmm. that like like we were like drunk assholes me and my friend like we were just like drunk stupid assholes okay so like we weren't like super aware but like there was this like unspoken thing that we had where it was like we keep eyes on each other at all time like we can go flirt with a guy you can go like make out or whatever but like we keep an eye out for each other. And it was never said. It was just like a thing that like, we had each other's backs. And I was so, I'm so grateful for that in hindsight. But at this one party, um, Josh and I, we, we met my freshman year of college. Um, he was a junior. It was very scandalous. But Josh and I were <laughs> flirting at this party. I was pretty like drunk and like, you know, just twirling my hair, talking to him. And out of the corner of my eye, I see like one of my, my, floor mates and good friends um kind of like drunkenly being led out of the party by this guy um and like I feel like this might sound like slightly controversial but my friend looked like you know she looked like Angelina Jolie like she was like this stunning stone cold girl and like the guy that she was leaving with was not and like it just kind of like it was like this glaring thing where I was like wait what's happening here and so I went over to her and this guy and my friend could barely stand up straight. And I was like, you know, I, I won't say her name, but I was like, you know, where, where are you, where are you guys where going? You going? Like, where, where, where are you going? And she couldn't even, she was like, we're going to the barn. And blah, blah, blah. I was like, what? Like, wh- like, where the fuck are you going? And like the guy who was not as drunk as her, he basically oh. said, get the fuck out of my way, bitch to me. Like he <gasps> said that to me. And I said, like, I said, I grabbed my friend's arm and I was like, like, hell are you leaving with this guy? You don't know him. Like, I've never seen this person in my life. And the guy was just like, he, of course, resorted to that, like, you know, get the fuck out of here, bitch. Like, leave me, Mm -hmm. like, leave me alone. And I have no idea what would have happened at that point because Josh came over and was like, 
what the fuck? Like, let her go. Like, I will fucking beat the shit out of you. Um, like, literally, I think that's pretty much like verbatim. And and this is one of the things that I thought about after I watched this movie was it took another guy, like, you know, yep. a six foot two, like, jacked guy coming up to the shithead and threatening him for him to back off. And he finally, and the guy finally did and was like, well, fuck you, bitch. And like walked yep. away. And my friend spent the rest of the night puking up uh, boxed wine and red M&Ms. And like, it was just like disgusting. And, <laughs> but she was like, she was a mess. And, but it was one of those things where I, like, I mean, it definitely stayed with me, but in mm-hmm. hindsight, I, you know, just think about it. It was probably 10 seconds that it would have taken her to walk out the door with that guy. And by pure luck, I was angled at the party flirting with Josh drunkenly in a way where I just saw her and this mm-hmm. creep. And that was the kind, like, those were the kinds of things. Like I, I was an RA uh, later on in college and I had these little freshman girls get like come home from parties roofied and like literally come home, like carried by their, their girlfriends and like roofied. Um, and it wasn't that frequent, um, but it was just stuff that, that lingered with me. And there's such a, a rage that like I I I yep. felt after watching this movie, but I think even with Nesta's story and this book, like some of that went into it. Like Nesta, you know, was a victim of sexual assault herself. And um this is like such a weird like I feel like if you wrote this in a movie, like you would think like this was impossible. But um my junior year of college, um I was an RA and there was this like drunk asshole like wandering the halls at like two in the morning. And so Ugh. I got up and Josh was, Josh was two years older than me. So he had already graduated, but he was visiting me that weekend. And so at like two in the morning, this like drunk, I heard this drunk banging on all the doors in like our hallway. And I was like, I'm so fucking tired. Like I need to go like tell this guy to shut up. So I open up the door and I'm like, dude, like you gotta be quiet. And this like massive dude turns around and lo and behold, it's the same guy from my freshman year who tried to take my friend home from that party and I've not like I like basically had not seen him since um oh yeah yeah like you can't make this up and so I instantly was like you you fucker I was like get the fuck out of here um and the guy like wouldn't leave he was looking for someone who didn't live on the floor he was banging on all the doors he had like a giant thing of like soda in his hands like he was just like a drunken mess and so I finally was like if you don't leave right now like I'm calling campus security and he took this massive thing of soda that he had, like, you know, like a, a full on, like giant thing. And he threw it at my head so hard that it shattered, like the plastic broke and it shattered. And he had, he threw it at my face intending to, I think it would have broken my face if it had hit me. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. And Josh, like, literally, like I, I have yet to ever see him get that mad as he, like he, like he became like superhuman in that moment. He leapt out of bed like naked and like, like I, I had to block the doorway to keep Josh from going into the hall to kill this guy. Um, And it was like the guy like was just belligerent and like, like he had thrown that thing to, to hurt me. And yep. there was like, you know, long story short, like I wound up like taking him to like the school's like judicial board for like a hearing and he got a slap on the wrist. And what of course. disgusted me was that he was on one of the sports teams and his coach um, wrote who I knew from like, you know, I 
mandatory gym classes, his coach wrote me an email being like, can we meet and talk? Uh, you know, so-and-so, you know, was just drunk and like, he's a really nice guy. Um, which is like in, in that movie, promising young woman, like that's the thing, like, you know, I'm a nice guy. And his coach literally tried to convince me to drop charges against him. And I knew that he wasn't a nice guy. Even if I hadn't seen him try to like drag my friend off at a party, I knew he wasn't a nice guy. Um, He's nice and, to you. You're his coach. Yeah, you're his coach. Yeah. And like, like in that boys club, like, yeah, everyone's a nice guy. Of um, course. And Ugh. years and years later, like once I started doing therapy, um, I wound up talking to my um, therapist about this. About Like, I don't even know why I wound up talking to her about it. Um, and I was like, you know, I don't know why I'm still like so upset about this. Like years later, um, as like, it wasn't like I was like assaulted or anything. And my therapist was like, that was assault. What he did to you. He threw something at you intending to break your face. And if that like bottle had hit your face, you would have broken your nose and possibly more. Like he was like a, like a very strong athlete. And he threw that like with all of his force and by like, yeah, pure luck. Uh, it didn't hit my face. Um, and I wound up having to quit my job as an RA because it, like, I didn't realize it at the time, but it fucking traumatized me. And I didn't want to deal with that. Any, I didn't want to deal with drunk assholes anymore and, like, having to be targeted for, like, you know, asking someone to not be drunken, like, a drunken asshole at two in the morning. Um, and I wound up getting, like, the school was actually, like, my college was great about supporting me. Um, like, residential life was great. And, like, you know, jump ahead to a happy ending. Like, you know, even though I quit my job, uh, the next, as an RA, the next semester, uh, a job opened up in like the nicest dorm on campus. Um, so I got to be like RA, like in that dorm, which was like, it was like all like seniors and stuff. And they were like chill and like, you know, no one threw parties. Um, so it, it worked out well and I felt very supportive, but it was just, this is a very, very long story, but it was just one of those things that after I watched Promising Young Woman, I just thought about that about some of my friends stories about some of the other shit that's like gone down in my life and I felt such a current of rage and like rage at what had been done you know like the guys who cat called I grew up in New York City and like you know walking past the construction guys when I was 12 years old 12 and having them cat call me like like a little girl like I look at a 12 year old now and I'm like that's a baby and like you know to have them do and like there's a moment in Promising Young Woman where she faces down these like catcalling construction guys um and that I almost burst out crying in that moment and it was interesting because Josh um he like he understood that moment but he didn't like he's never had to deal with that like the terror of like wondering like okay, these guys are catcalling. I hate them. But if I give them the finger, will one of them flip out and come over and like kill me or rape me or any of that? Um, Mm -hmm. And with Nesta and and her journey, she, she faced some of that awful male behavior. um, And it left her with the sense of she never wants to be like feel helpless again, but also the rage at feeling like you, you are um, and how that leads to some of the, you know, anxieties and traumas that she has um mm-hmm. and I've like never talked about like my college experience publicly so like this is like weird I feel like I'm gonna like leave this call and be like oh like <laughs> I hope I didn't like ability hangover yeah yeah but it just I feel like I don't and I, again like I think that's kind of symptomatic of this culture that we have now of like yeah. women like I found 
and that's what this movie did. Like it made me think of how many times I've made excuses for like mm-hmm. what I went through, what my friends went through and just like diminishing that, like diminishing oh, yeah. saying like, you know, well, the guy didn't break my face when he threw that. So thing it at wasn't me. really so, assault. So it wasn't assault. Ooh, like if it had hit me, assault. that would have been assault. Um, and you know, if he had like, you know, if he had hit me with a bottle or if he had physically hit me, like that, that was somehow valid, but because yep. he missed in his drunken rage, um, yep. that, that doesn't count. Um, and that's, it's so fucked up. Um, it's and so it just, up. there's a lot of like accommodation that we as women have to do like in our daily lives. Like you said mm-hmm. with your friends, like keep eyes on each other. Like, you know, text me when you get home. So I know you made it home safe. Um, you know, if you're leaving the house, which we don't do anymore. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We're literally safe as houses now. Yeah. (laughs) You know, when I would get out of grad school classes at 10 o'clock at night, like, you know, call someone on your walk to the subway station or just like these small things. It's like, okay, well, do I go this route where I know like, there's currently a group of guys standing on the corner, just like shooting the shit or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or do I, you know, go down one street that's quieter and more residential, but there's no like street lights. Like yeah. you have to weigh these choices in terms of like your personal safety and like yeah. what you're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Usually because you are fearful of men yeah. and <laughs> what they will do to you. And I can understand like that piling up and getting angry of like, why should I have to live like that? Because Mm -hmm. I'm doing nothing wrong. Like the onus and the responsibility is on other people. Why should I have to, you know, rearrange my life and my schedule and my comfort Mm -hmm. just so I feel safe Mm -hmm. when, you know, yeah. I mean, the the car, the car keys, the car keys through like the fingers like that and it's exhausting. Like it's an exhausting thing to have to constantly like just think about those things. I, like I, like when I was a kid, like I, again, like I grew up in New York city and I was so dumb. Like I did things as a teenager that I would never do now. And I think it's only by the degree. Everyone does looks that looks yeah. like their lives. And it's yeah. like, Whoa. <laughs> no, I mean, like I, I would get like blackout wasted with my friends and blow all of my like cab money that my parents gave me on booze which my parents had no idea was going on um so I would take the subway home like drunk at like one two in the morning like when I was like 16 17 years old and then like you know have a couple block walk in the dark from the subway to my parents house and like I I would never do that now um and I think it's only by you know the grace of the universe that like nothing ever like, you know, truly awful happened to me. Um, but it just makes me sad that like, as you get old, like I, you know, I was reckless back then, but I didn't know, you know, but then like, as I got older, like when I, by the time I got to college, I had that system with my friends of like, you keep eyes on each other at a party. Um, you know, you, you check in with each other. Like if someone's leaving with a guy, you do like that check-in of like, do you, like, are you good? Like, are you, like, you want to hook up with you, you, you're willing to go all the way with this dude. Like you're like, you know, just, you do that, like check in with them um, just to make sure that like what's going on is okay. And um, 
I'm kind of sick and tired of the weight of that. Like, as you said, like being on us instead of guys learning not to fucking do that. (laughs) Like, don't, don't fucking rape someone. Like if a girl, and that's why like this movie, like it's just, it's like again and again, like hits, like, you know, it just like comes at these guys who see themselves as I'm just a good guy. Um, I wouldn't do that. Like I, I, you know, if girls drunk, like I would never do that, but then they do. Um, and they find excuses for it again and again and again. And the men around them find excuses for it. Um, and it just enrages me. Like, it just like, it, it enrages me. And I, yeah, I, I have like no idea how we wound up on this topic, but it's just something that's like, now that I've started thinking about it, I can't like unthink it almost. Mm -hmm. Um, And I like, I'm still processing like a long, long fucking story. But like, I like had like guys coming up to me because of some like nonsense, like drama that wasn't even true and literally calling me a fucking bitch, like to my face. Like, I hate that. There's a, there's a line in Akasif where I think like, you know, some guys call them like the girls like bitches and they're like, find something new to call us instead. And like, that's, (laughs) I can't tell you how many times I've been called a bitch in my life. put it on my business cards yeah, yeah takes the yeah. sting out of it when you just be like yeah and what else do you have <laughs> yeah, exactly. please try again yeah come that up with something used. new to call yep. me please um but there is like a certain moment where like as you go get older like the veil is lifted yep. and like that's all you can see and like yep. you're you're like hyper aware of it and you know I forgot who I was talking to but it was like a guy. And I'm like, what do you mean you've never felt unsafe walking to your car? Yeah. Like, that is my default. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That's there that's- is there is a new genre I think of as Earl had to die, which is all of these books of women getting revenge on shitty ass men. <laughs> Very specifically and carefully getting revenge on shitty men who did shitty things and got away with it. And let me tell you, it is so cathartic and satisfying. Mm-hmm. And I like that about A Court of Silver Flames that not only does Nesta learn that she is welcoming and deserving of love and a safe home, like the, the symbolism of where she lives in this book is really beautiful, but she learns basically to be the car key in the hand. Yeah. She becomes the car key and the person who holds it. But it's actually more like a four-foot shiv when she's done. Like, she channels her rage into coming into herself as a powerful individual, which is so fucking satisfying. (laughs) No, and I think, like, even though... I'm kind of now starting to process this, I think, like, the current of that feeling of rage and satisfaction, like, that came from that place in me that I had kind of like closed off and like flowed into her book. And I think that image of like Nesta, like Nesta is the fist with the car keys, like, you know, sticking out like that is her, like where she is like, you know, it's like a fucked up, like Edward Scissorhands type. (laughs) Like she is like, she is coming for you. Um, And it's, it felt very liberating, like during, again, no spoilers, but during the end of the book, like Nesta kind of goes like head to head with a bunch of like, kind of like bro dudes um like they're they're equivalent of like warrior bro dudes and like seeing her just like destroy them was so satisfying um and i i'll never get sick of writing about that kind of stuff no 
I have some questions and comments from people in my Patreon group that I would like to share with you because they're, first of all, they're a nice, very big dose of compliments, but they've asked some really, really lovely and thoughtful questions. Oh, okay. So are you ready? Yes. Okay. So first of all, Becca says, your interview with Sarah last year was one of my favorites on the show and what finally got me to read her books after knowing about them and how enthusiastic her fandom is for way too long. I started with (laughs) Akatar, which I then got my sister to read, and almost a full year later, not a week goes by without talking about those books and those characters. After Akatar, I spent the rest of the year going through her entire catalog. In many ways, Sarah got me through 2020. And that's not an exaggeration. I am honestly just love to tell her thank you. And I wanted to ask about her writing process. There is no small amount of world building. Seriously, all caps. How does she do it? My theory is that the reason you live in a multi-hundred-year-old house is that the walls and the floors need to be sufficiently strong enough to hold your story Bible, which is (laughs) probably 45 pounds. But that is only a working theory. Well, they don't make houses like they used to. So they, <laughs> I needed, I needed this, uh, these old floorboards and the brick foundation and whatever crap this house was built on. Um, but I, so we have story Bibles uh, and world Bibles, but I like don't really use like, like most of it's like up in my head, um, which is weird. like, I've started having to write it all down, like in a word document, just because now that I'm a mom, I think like most of my brain got eaten by oh, yeah. my child. Um, oh yeah. Mom brain is very, very real. <laughs> it is. Um, but the world building, I don't know. It just kind of comes out of like, um, just being curious about the world and asking questions and, um, pausing and like it doesn't like when I write a first draft like a lot of the world building details will just be left blank like characters have many conversations in empty spaces where like (laughs) like I don't even have like the setting for them yet um and then in like subsequent drafts like I'll start going in and layering like the the details um that I think really make it come alive you know everything from the street food that's being offered to um you know I don't know like Oh, there's a lot of food detail, food and clothing details, which like, even though I don't like wear clothes anymore, like I'm like wearing like my dirty old workout clothes right now. Um, like there's a lot of like dress details um, and, you know, food, everyone's always eating. And I think that's because I'm usually eating when I write, um, like I have like one, <laughs> hand, one hand on the keyboard and the other one's like, you know, popping Cheetos. Um, Good but, plan. Yeah. Yeah. So the, I mean, the world just, I don't know the worlds often feel like their own character and I try to develop them like as their own character where it's not like I'm literally true in this one. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you know, I think about, you know, the, the history and like the, the layout of the world almost as like a character with their own backstory and like their, you know, how do they appear and all of that. Um, but I, I'm not like a scientific type writer by any, like, I'm not like Tolkien, like planning out, like, histories and maps and all of that stuff like a whole ass set of languages yeah no that's not (laughs) that is not me I don't have the time for that um and I wish I was smart enough to do that um but the world just kind of they they all come out of this organic place but thank you Becca for saying such nice like things I'm like really honored that my books played a role and helping you strap in I have more okay oh god all right (laughs) expecting us to like roast you Sarah (laughs) yeah like what I just I'm I'm deeply 
uncomfortable with like people saying nice things about me, which again, like, I guess I'll bring up with my therapist this <laughs> afternoon. Um, and just because like in my day to day life, like, I feel like constantly like such a hot mess that I just like anyone saying nice things. I'm like, you, you don't like, know. <laughs> you don't know. You don't know. Like what, like, you know, the state of disaster that is my home and like, you know, the, just, it's just, I don't know. I'm very uncomfortable with people being nice to me, which sounds, now I feel like bad for myself having said that. (laughs) It's deeply normal though. I feel the same way. Yep. Rachel also wanted me to tell you, and she has a question about character. Rachel says, Mass's books also helped me get through 2020. And on the last day of the year, I got a tattoo on my left forearm as a promise and reminder to myself to be brave. And only upon rereading the series did I realize what had inspired that idea. Sarah has this remarkable ability to transform characters from people I loathe into people I love and trust. And I'm so excited to read about Nesta. I trust her to bring Nesta around. So I want to know, how do you plan for a character's ascension or downfall in the heart of the reader? And this is the other thing you traffic isn't innocent, it? it's pining <laughs> and like character boomerangs. I I don't know why I love that kind of thing. Like I just get such a sick satisfaction out of <laughs> like making characters that seem absolutely unlikable and then you're the hero next. Yeah, and I mean, there are some characters in this book that I don't want to spoil things, but like you can kind of tell like how I'm setting them up for future books. Um, But I just, I think I'm so curious all the time about like what, like even if someone's an asshole, like why, like what, what makes them tick? Like even before I went into therapy, I wanted to know like why, why are these characters like that? Like, you know, what's their, their secret backstory that led them to act this way. And, you know, sometimes it's, you know, they're just an asshole, but then sometimes they actually do have like, you know, reasons why. And Nesta, um, in this book, I didn't want to excuse her past behavior. And I deliberately wrote her in the previous books, um, in such a way where like, I kind of like knew like what she had gone through, but I, like, I didn't want to make her this like nice, sweet sister. Like that wasn't interesting to me. There wasn't conflict and, you know, it didn't drive the plot anywhere. Um, but I I wanted Nesta to be able to own up to her mistakes in the past, but also start reflecting on where like where some of that destructive behavior comes, like self-destructive and then also like hurtful towards other people. Like where does that mm-hmm. where does that come from? And I I didn't sit down like intentionally thinking like I'm gonna write this book just so like you know I can mess with people's minds and make them love Nesta. Um it was just, she's the kind of character that I'm drawn to where she acts a certain way. Like, it's like the tip of the iceberg. You see that, like, you know, that cold exterior and then like beneath the water, there's like you know, all this, you know, big old mess, the stuff going on that's going to destroy the Titanic and <laughs> ruin Rose and Jack. Um, and here comes the great ship Cassian. Hello, <laughs> sexy iceberg. <laughs> I would say like, that's my catnip in oh for sure like reading and in real life like I've been in and out of therapy most of my life at this point so when someone does something or like it's you know like not like triggering but like is noticeable I'm like ooh, what trauma is there behind this decision (laughs) like who hurt you it's like (laughs) like the 
wheel. What is the root motivation for this? I know. What happened here? And I also noticed that when, so my, my husband and I both have anxiety, but in completely different ways. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the time when we have an argument, it's about how my anxiety coping mechanisms have inadvertently stepped on his anxiety and made him yeah. feel anxious or vice versa. Yep. And it's like, okay, well, I have to do it this way so that I don't feel this way. Okay, fine. But if you do that, then I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I'm not going to talk about Josh's stuff because I don't think he's even <laughs> talked about it on his own. Um, but like, we have a lot of the same things where like I will act a certain way that then like triggers like his own like behavior to act a certain right. way. Like, you're absolutely, absolutely right. That's the um, secret of relationships and partnership. The, the yeah. arguments are actually about how you nudge each other's anxieties. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But I think that's like with this book, I tried to like show different types of like, like there isn't like one size fits all anxiety. Like it manifests no. in so many different ways and trauma manifests in so many different ways. And, um, Nesta and, and, yeah, and Emery and Gwen, they all have their own like horrible, like intense histories that they are still haunting them and they mm-hmm. manifest in different ways in their lives. Um, and, you know, everyone that I know who has you know, struggled with mental health and, you know, is ongoing, they're facing it and, um, you know, that anxiety it manifests in so many different ways. It's just like, it's like, it's fascinating to me on this like weird, like sad level, just like to see like how our brains and bodies do this kind of thing. Like we talked about this earlier, like Nesta's anxiety and a lot of mine manifests as this kind of like cold, like burning, like acid type feeling through my limbs. Um, But I know other people whose anxiety manifests in a rapid heartbeat and they like can't get a breath down um mine is mario kart brain (laughs) 150 cc mario kart brain my brain is on a track and it is going like this and it is just gonna go and you just gonna have to deal with it because your brain is now on warp speed and it'll slow down eventually and like you said earlier sarah about when you can sort of see your anxiety i woke up a couple of nights ago it's two nights ago around four in the morning with mario kart brain and i had a moment of oh wow brain you're really anxious aren't you okay Mine is the opposite. I'm of living yours. here with you. Sarah. <laughs> I'm just picturing your brain as like Rainbow Road. Like, yes, <laughs> that's what it is. And I'm really bad at staying on the freaking road, especially the Rainbow Road in space. I'm oh. really good at that. Like, okay, I spent we spent like a good like two months during this quarantine that like just playing like 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 we we've like played Mario Kart before, but like we just for like. We started at like 50 cc's and like worked our way like up oh, and yeah. like hardcore. I, but quest. like there are some levels like the desert level that I am terrible at. Like I cannot like bank or whatever. But the but, bouncing like, rainbow- balls of poo. Yep. Yeah. I'm bad at that one. Yes. <laughs> but then Rainbow Road. Every time it's like I'm like bring it, bitch. And I like show up <laughs> and I am so good. And like Josh is good at every other level. Like Josh is amazing. Like no matter the speed, if it's reversed, <laughs> he's so good at it. But Rainbow Road. Literally, the time to shine. Like, he, he starts and it's like like somehow he just goes right off the edge. Like he just goes. <laughs> whereas like I'm like cruising and like doing it like perfectly. Like I don't know. I guess it's like the more difficult it is, like the more my brain like focuses. But yep. anyway, I. <laughs> but Sarah, my anxiety. Smart pitches, Sarah. My anxiety is different, like the opposite of yours. I like turn really? into a slug person. It's like, you know, like if. I miss a deadline or, you know, like I super stress. I'm just, I'm that 
photo of that little girl just laying in the asphalt in the rain. That's like, <laughs> like I'm a failure. Nothing matters. <laughs> like, why do I have to do anything? <laughs> yep. That's my anxiety. So instead of like going around, just like, why do I even bother? <laughs> It's so unfair that it doesn't manifest the same because it'll be a lot easier to deal with. (laughs) So I do have another compliment for you if you can bear it, Sarah. Oh, God. Okay. Okay. Amanda says, it's not really a question and it's sort of a niche, but I wanted to let you know, I always appreciate how PMS is just kind of a part of the heroine's lives in a way you don't really see in a lot of stories. And the guys are always super respectful and empathetic about the heroine's plight. It is refreshing. Thank you. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, oh, yes. Can I like, okay. <laughs> yes. Whatever it is. Yes, oh you can. God, like, okay. So yes, you can. Bring I read like these epic fantasy books where these characters go on the quest and it's like women and men and elves and whatever. Like I, oh, again, this is like kind of like the part of me that goes to like Charlotte and Mr. Collins. Like I start thinking about periods. Like yes, my, when I when I when I get my period, I bleed so fucking much. I'm like super plus tampon, like every two hours at the peak, like crazy. Like and even then, like layering with pads. Um, and like if I had to go on a quest in epic <laughs> fantasy times with no tampons, no pads, like I literally would be like. like dripping blood like down the path to Mordor the Um, bears would get you like (laughs) (laughs) whatever you got bears vampires whatever yeah yep they would just follow the trail yep (laughs) are you dying no this is normal (laughs) so I you need a healer well yes but (laughs) yeah but like that's where it sprung out of was just this constant plot that I had of like periods exist and they are a part of our like monthly lives and they aren't just like a little thing like they at least for me like they are this like li- like a week of disruption in my life <laughs> of of gushing blood and pain and night sweats and just like i and i just want that to be a part of you know like if i have if i have mental health in my books i should have periods in my books um and I mean, it's the same with like bathroom stuff. Like I constantly wonder, like, you know, on the quest to Mordor, like where did Legolas take a shit? Like, did he, like, <laughs> did they all have a like, valid a, question? Did they all, did, did they Legolas... take a latrine every time? In Gimli's exactly. helmet. That's where yeah. he took a shit. <laughs> <laughs> if in a future book, there's a, there's a curse about Gimli's helmet. We're going to know why. <laughs> Helmet. That's where he took a shit. Also, Sarah, I want to show you on the back of my desk chair. I have a heating pad because it is approaching the hell mouth time, oh, or as I call it, CSI. Oh God, no! And, uh, <laughs> I I refer to my period as Carrie at prom. Like it's <laughs> a blood. Like that is basically my. Um, I have it on my calendar as the communists are coming. <laughs> like a red scare. <laughs> that's how i refer to it <laughs> <laughs> like wheezing i'm laughing <laughs> oh my god i love that but it has like <laughs> communists and then the little emoji of like red footprints 
like that's on my Google calendar. Oh God. (laughs) Some people I know call it shark week, but that's much better. But also I would love like a chosen one story, but like, She's like, can you guys come back like another time? Like, I've just started my period and I've got like <laughs> this week is no good. fatigue. Like, I'm not gonna be able to get anything done. Like, can this wait? <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the thing. Like, I want those stories to exist. And I don't like like men who get like grossed out by it. Like, I don't even give like Josh has made so many, like, I literally this is probably like way, way, way TMI. <laughs> um, well, first of all, he like buys me pads and tampons like it doesn't even oh right and I yeah. like secondly like this is oh my god I can't believe I'm about to say this but I literally sometimes like you know when you like you're in that point in your period and it looks like like there's like an alien like baby almost coming out of you like yeah. they're, like globs yeah. of things yeah I literally will show I'll like hold up my tampon sometimes and be like look yeah, at check this, this out. <laughs> <laughs> like, you see oh, that's a big one did, did you, you name it yeah <laughs> Josh will just say oh okay like he just, <laughs> he doesn't even like bad an eye at it like I am endlessly fascinated by like the like chunks of things that come out of me uh but he just yeah, like god just bless him want to like show someone you're like I can't yeah. believe this was in my body yeah oh yeah <laughs> I just have an, an endless fascination with like how much blood I guess comes out of me and like how it appears um but <laughs> and like, how like, fair is it that you do that and it's a baby and everyone's like oh wow let me see the baby and yeah. it's like hold up I produce things every month you don't want <laughs> that are noteworthy <laughs> and nobody's excited about that I produce noteworthy elements of the universe every 28 to 34 days <laughs> exactly you're only excited when it's a whole other person what's up with that <laughs> when it's a whole other person but then you still don't want to know about the blood during childbirth and like shitting yourself or any oh, of those dear God. things. No, no caring. About that. Yeah, yeah. I just, I cannot deal with fragile men who are like so scared of like periods and like bodily functions of women. Like yep. I cannot deal with that. Like that, yep. I just like, anytime like a guy's like, ew, that's so gross. Like what, I'm just like, all right, you're like a small pathetic it's like, man. Listen, like, I have to smell your gross barbecue farts in the car <laughs> on the way home from the restaurant. Like I want to be gross too. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's when I knew Josh and I would be like together forever. Like, <laughs> like we just like both could like fart in front of each other. Oh yeah, and like fart like, stage is very important. Uh, do you know what happened recently? Okay, this is another thing I probably shouldn't even say. I will regret saying this when I when I'm please know call. that I um, I edit these, and okay, if you, you can, think later, you oh god, I don't want to just be like. You can decide no, whether but- you want to cut this, but I literally, Josh and I were watching TV the other the other night, and I just like let this massive fart rip, and Josh didn't even blink an eye, and he just he said without even looking at me, "God bless you," and like I just was like, "What?" I was like, "I didn't sneeze, I farted." Like it was that loud of a fart that he sneezed. He looked over at me, and he like realized that like. No, that re- I really hadn't sneezed. It was that loud of a fart. I'm we just, I think we laughed until like we cried. Um, but I will forever remember him. God bless uh, you. Yeah, God bless you. Yeah. Please, God please tell you. Josh. Please tell Josh that when my teenagers let one rip, I will now be saying God bless. <laughs> I'm crying. Oh my god. Okay. 
books. Books. <laughs> Want to talk to you about books and periods and and gas, obviously. Yeah. Um. But the last time we talked, we talked about paranormal romance, which mm. clearly had some major influence on this book, mm-hmm. this this particular book. And I have I have a question one. Are there paranormal romance series that you love to reread? And two, in the the magical food dream house, when the books would appear, they weren't specified, but in your mind, were there specific books that were appearing? Yeah, I mean, definitely everything by Nalini Singh, J.R. Ward. Um, <laughs> yep. I just reread the Psy Changeling series start to end, and oh, I'm wow. devastated that the next one isn't out for a couple of months. And then I emailed a friend of mine who's a publicist, and she's like, it's so good. Oh, and I'm like, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> I just did. I was like the moderator for one of Nalini's events for Archangel Sun. So and like, I, like, I was losing my shit while I spoke to her because I just, she's, first of all, the cutest smartest loveliest human being and again like I'm a hot mess every single second of my (laughs) life um but then she just like talking to someone who writes such hot romances such meaningful romances and then does such intricate amazing world building um I mean she is my like ultimate goddess of like everything um she I mean I need to do a reread of her book, like all her books. Um, but like, it's she's like someone. I, yeah. I mean, like I've reread like, you know, her series multiple times in the past, but not since there've been like so many books out. Um, J.R. Ward's books. Like I love like Black Dagger Brotherhood, especially the first three books in the Black Dagger Brotherhood series. Like I could reread all of those like endlessly. Uh, Kara Marie Moaning's Fever series. Like I love that. Like Max Progression from like, you know, Southern like <laughs> Southern bartender girls, like badass warriors, one of my favorites. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting like so many right now. My mom brain is like killing me right now. Um, but then I also read like a lot of like historical romance. Like, did you guys watch? I'm, just, I'm assuming you watch Bridgerton. Um, yeah, oh, yeah. And, like I watched it on the treadmill and then I reached the point where like my joints hurt because I'm old. <laughs> so I got off the treadmill and I just sat down on the floor with my phone to watch the rest of in front of the treadmill because I couldn't walk anymore. Was the treadmill still like going? Like still? No, I did manage to stop it, but I didn't even bother to go anywhere. I just got off the treadmill and sat down in front of it to finish it because I was like, well, I'm not going to stop watching and I don't feel like walking and I've walked too much and my legs hurt. So here's where I live now. If you, if you want a recommendation, Sarah, I just read a really good historical romance that reminded me of like, old like Lisa Kleypas like wallflowers books the wallflowers yeah so it's called the heiress gets a duke by Harper St. George hold on I'm writing this down it reminded me of it happened one autumn because the heroine a brash American like railroad ironworks heiress and the hero is like a destitute duke who has money so like he needs financial capital. She needs social capital because she's new money. Um, so good. And also, you know, to try to get money in his spare time, the hero is a bare knuckle boxer and doesn't wear a shirt. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, wait, okay. The heiress gets the Duke. Is that what? Yes. And Harper, what's the, the, the author's name? George. Okay. Uh, I just wrote this down and 
if I ever start reading again, like books that aren't Pride and Prejudice, uh, <laughs> that will be the first I read. <laughs> when you I'm know. Done, yeah, the first when time I'm done, you know if you ever need recommendations, yeah. you can email us anytime. But like the, uh, the first time he meets or she sees him, he's like coming out into the, the prize fighting ring. And like the person next to her is like, oh, they call him the Hellion. And she's like, that's a stupid name. <laughs> She's like, who calls him that? Like, <laughs> he came up with it himself. I know. <laughs> you can't do that. That defies the laws of nicknames. <laughs> All right, that's awesome. I'm definitely gonna have to add that. Um, yeah. The Wallflower series, by the way, like one of like that's a series I've reread Love multiple it. times. Um, I has someone like adapted that? Like, is, is that in the works to be adapted? Because no, that would be. No idea. I would love that. So, I mean, I feel like that's so like on point right now with like you know female friendships like being like you know at the forefront of like you know I just I feel like wallflowers would be perfect for like a Netflix series oh yeah um like please like if, if someone doesn't like adapt that like I will literally like get a job in Hollywood just so <laughs> I can do it myself <laughs> so what are you working on right now that you can tell people about other than book launch in a pandemic again. Amanda and I were actually talking about this when we interviewed you last time, it was before everything shut down and you were one of the first people who had to cancel events before the events themselves were canceled by the host organizations. Yeah, we got, uh, most people were pretty supportive, but we definitely got some shit for that. Um, I didn't see, I didn't see it, but, uh, I was, you made the right call. Some people were like, you were being like hysterical. Like this is like, this pandemic isn't a real thing. Um, surprise, uh, surprise, <laughs> here we are. Um, but I, I was lucky enough to have, um, my, my brother-in-law's an infectious disease doctor. And he was the one that like, he saw the writing on the wall and he told me like, do not under any circumstances, get onto a plane, do not leave the country, like do nope. not do anything. Um, so we, we did it. Listened. Um, yeah, so I don't know if science. you can see this, but it is snowing where you are because I can see it through the window behind you, and it's really, really beautiful. You have now gotten the snow that I just had. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. I've been watching it this whole time, and it's gorgeous. So I. Am... So I apologize for interrupting. Oh, you. I was no. like, "Oh, snow!" <laughs> no, I am. I'm like thoroughly sick of snow at this point. Uh, like it's yeah. too. Like, I love watching it, but then as soon as it's done, I'm like, "Get this Ugh. the fuck out of here!" Like I don't want to see this ever again. Um, yep. But anyway, so what I'm working on right now, uh, I'm working on the next Crescent City book, um, knee deep in edits for that. And there is like 2000% more sex in that one. Um, I wanted, I wanted like Hunt and Bryce's thing to be kind of like, not slow burn, because they do kind of hook up at the end of book one. But like, there's a lot of sex. There's a lot. Oh, hold on. Sex patrol. Uh, Annie. Sex Here. patrol. She has things to say about that. <laughs> I think. Sorry, my dog was barking earlier. It's fine. Okay. Um, I hear like a toddler screaming and Josh trying to calm <laughs> him, and the dog's upset. Okay, I don't know if you can hear a child screaming in the background, but that it's is okay, my. But it's fine. It's my fun. Um, yeah, so I'm working on Crescent City two right now. And yeah, lots of sex, lots of drama. Uh, some of the side characters get a bit more uh, plot. <laughs> I guess that's like the worst. <laughs> that's the worst pitch I've ever done. Characters get plot. Um, but yeah, so I I uh, I should be getting my next round of edits like some point this week. 
Um, and yeah, was that your whole you question? Know, what, what am I working on right now? Yeah, that's basically it. I'm working on like trying to find my abs again after having had a child. Um, <laughs> I don't I think, I think they're gone. I think they dissolve. I think my organs ate them. Or maybe my baby ate my abs. Uh, yeah, pretty much. That's what happens. Me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what happens. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for doing this interview. And thank you for considering us a, a safe space to share so many real things. I know it means a lot to, to me and to the people who are part of my community that you are so honest and and caring about how you talk about the, the experiences you've had, but also your books got a lot of people through last year. So thank you for that too. It's going to make me cry from... <laughs> From laughter to tears. Um, I mean, it's still like, I, I feel like I, like I'm still getting used to talking about a lot of this stuff. It's um, hard. It is hard. It's hard and it's scary. And I, I you know, I, I'm definitely going to have that like moment when I, you know, we finish this call and I'm going to be like, what the fuck did I say? Like, did I say too much? Like, you know, um, or like, you know, did I say the wrong thing about, you know, whatever I went through? And I think I just, the more I talk about these things, like the easier it gets for me to face them and understand them. And I just, I really hope that, you know, yeah, people listening know that like their stories, you know, like are worth telling too. And like, you know, they can, you know, and seeing me like stumble my way through trying to explain what I've been through, like know that, you know, it's, it's not easy for anyone. And by talking about it and by having people like you guys, like amazing people like you guys who will like listen and share your own experiences, like it helps. Um, that's why women got to stick together. Like, you know, we got to have oh. these, these conversations. Um, eyes on each I, other. Yeah. Keep eyes on each <laughs> other. But I think it's also like, you know, I at least felt like I was, you know, only I had experienced things like this. And then it's just, it's always staggering um, and like heartwarming in a sad, depressing way, but like to find that I'm not alone and having dealt with a lot of this shit yeah either like I wish that I was the only one and that no one no none of my other like female friends or people I meet have ever been through this but um it's like you know there's a lot of work to be done um not just on our end but like men like men you've got to step it up um but I just I find that talking about it especially with other women um like I'm just very grateful I'm, I'm very grateful that you guys like provided me this opportunity to again like stumble my way through talking about it um and yeah I I like could I could talk to you guys for like another three hours I think oh I know um, right I was like damn it <laughs> <laughs> we should do other things up. I have to do damn <laughs> I know I know I literally am like oh shit like I have to like write a few chapters right now like in between this and therapy and like you know what can I what can I get done um, with my son screaming in the background and my dog barking? <laughs> yep. And I also need to shower from this workout because I can literally smell my deo right now. Like oh, I stopped, I've been there. I, I stopped using um, like deodorant with like aluminum in it. So it's just like, and like, even though I really like this new deodorant I have, like after a workout, like, Oh, it's, it, that's a strong thing. I've just there. been quietly sitting here this whole time, resisting the urge to sniff my pits. Cause like, <laughs> I can just like, I, I still want to, it's like a car wreck. Like, I know it smells bad. I can smell it, but I want to see, I want to smell. You have to find out how bad. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. There's a range here. <laughs> it's like your tampon goblins. How big is this one? Exactly. <laughs>
You got to know the range. It's very important. I have to know. I can't look away. (laughs) Well, thank you so, so, so much. It has been such a joy to talk to you. And if you ever want to shoot the shit, call on us anytime. Okay. I will. You'll regret saying that because I'll never leave you alone. But yeah, thank you. Never. (laughs) This is awesome. This podcast was as long as some feature films and three times as satisfying if you ask me. Thank you so much, Sarah J. Mass, for hanging out with us. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as we did. And if you do like listening to Amanda and me, you can listen to us Tuesday nights, 7.30 Eastern for our podcast after party on stereo. We get very silly. Sometimes we make weird sandwiches and eat them on the air and have people tell us what else weird sandwiches to eat. It's ridiculous fun and we would love for you to join us if you're feeling a little lonely or the quarantines are getting to you this is perfect you can go to stereo.com slash smart bitches to get started there's a nifty avatar creation part two do not miss that we love hearing from you because you can leave live messages for us to play during the conversation and it's so funny mostly because amanda is hilarious All you need to do is download the free Stereo app at Stereo.com slash Smart Bitches so you can connect with us when we are live, Tuesday nights, 7.30 p.m. Eastern on Stereo. That's Stereo.com slash Smart Bitches. Tuesday nights, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time only on Stereo. A very, very, very effusive thank you to our Patreon community. They make it possible to transcribe extremely long episodes like this one, And thank you to Garlic Knitter for all of the transcription. A special hello to our newest Patreon member, Kara. Kara, hello and thank you. If you would like to join the Patreon community, you find out when I'm doing interviews, suggest questions, and you help keep the show going, have a look at patreon.com slash smartbitches. We will link to all the books we mentioned. And I would dearly love to know if this episode is one of your favorites that you re-listen to in the future. I know for so many people, the first one we did with Sarah J. Mass was a favorite. I hope this one enters that level too. But as usual, I'm going to end with a bad joke because that's what I do. And I'm terrible. And I would never leave this part out. Ready? What is one thing that will absolutely always make everyone throw What is one thing that will absolutely make everyone always throw up? Hanging the dartboard on the ceiling. (laughs) I'm picturing a bunch of people like leaning way, way, way back and fuck. (laughs) Oh, I love terrible jokes. If you have one, you know what to do, right? You should email them to me at sbjpodcast at gmail.com. On behalf of everyone here, including my dog, who is wicked angry that I shut the door, We wish you a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Thank you again for hanging out with us, and we will see you back here next week. Smart Podcast Trashy Books is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find outstanding podcasts to listen to at frolic.media slash podcasts.